This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's the 10th of May 2021, and it is time, everybody, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo. I am from... CBS Sports, the gentleman on that side of the screen, I think. No, wait, this side of the screen, this side, that one. Uh, he is also from CBS Sports. He's the king of Connecticut when apathy's not around. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian Campbell. Hi, Luke. Okay, hi. We're back. I'm back. Let's be back together, all right? I can't quite read your uh, sign back there. Don't... No, really. It's an encouragement to people to understand where we are in the Great War. Don't bogard the MK, all right? Don't 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 hog it, okay? Uh, you know, breathe out so we can breathe you in. Spread the word. Tell your friends, all right? Let's make this thing as big as it can be. Look, I'm so... I, I, I was wondering, is, is this orange make me look bloated, or would you say it's more of my diet choices of late? Um, outside of that, I am so ready to take this thing to the next level. That's all I, I don't know. About. I don't know what it is, but you definitely, you definitely look. I wouldn't say quite the color of Country Time Pink Lemonade. Not that bad, but I don't know. You know, pre-cooked hot dog kind of pink. Okay. Just lifeless okay. flesh. That's you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, all right, we have a lot to get to today. Um, thanks everyone who uh, checked out our content last weekend from the Mohegan Sun. But the train rolls on. We're gonna have a whole bunch of UFC 262 stuff for you coming up this next week so for the moment like the video hit subscribe if you are new here welcome if you're new from the folks who checked out bc's instant reaction to canelo welcome we'll do this three times a week at 11 a.m monday wednesday friday here in the east coast time um if you want to try showtime you certainly can you can go to showtime.com get a 30-day free trial and if you're ready to take that plunge there's your URL right there, show.com, slash Bellator MMA, $4.99 a month for the first six months if you do it that way. Um, you get a little bit off. Again, that's the full live Showtime programming experience plus everything on demand. You get the twofer there um, if you do that. If you want to email the show, Wednesday's fan submissions, Friday's dead wrong, morningcombat at gmail.com is the best and frankly maybe the only place to um, reach the show. And uh, yeah, BC, there actually was a fair amount of stuff over the weekend. Are you ready to get this party started with our very lifeless intro? 
Yes, yes. Uh, you, we, we had a little of explaining to do. We didn't get to do the Bellator post-fight show, Luke, but outside of that, we're, we're back at it. We're good. We're ready to go. We're ready to rock out. Out of our hands. Everything's fine from what I can tell. So, uh, All right. Let's get this party started if we can here. First things first, BC. I guess we have to go with what is actually the biggest story uh, of the combat sports weekend. Canelo Alvarez doing an unbelievable job in stopping Billy Joe Saunders. BC and I were disagreeing all over the place via text message over the weekend. But BC, we, while we did hear from you from the instant reaction video, I, as is customary, I'd like to go to you first here if we can. Let me ask the question this way. Canelo stopped Billy Joe Saunders uh, basically at the end of the eighth round. He damaged him in the eighth. Billy Joe held on to finish that frame. And then essentially the uh, the fight was stopped at that point. In terms of the totality of the fight plus the ending, isn't this what we expected? Yeah, in, in a sense, and I don't think that's uh, look when when somebody's dominant, right? Floyd Mayweather or anybody. Do you sometimes get to a, a point of overcorrection where you're just looking for that fighter to be challenged again on a certain level? We've seen Canelo just step up his level of domination since the two Golovkin fights, in which, let's give him his credit, he won't stop getting better. He's in his absolute physical prime here at age 30. The experience, everything has come together. He's almost unstoppable out there. So I, I think your stance in this against me was sort of like, you know, Saunders wasn't the real, was never going to be the real. This was always the ending. And, and I guess, you know, if you're only looking at that, okay, I can't argue that. Canelo's the best in the world. He was a fairly large betting favorite. I just knew what I knew about the, quote, upper bound limits of the untapped Billy Joe Saunders when he has no reason left not to give his very best that he's a little bit different and a unique out within the Canelo universe. I think that also played itself out, Luke, depending on how you had it scored and what we saw. And um, I, I'm glad to, well, I'm not glad to find out that Saunders is hurt more than we knew, you know, exiting that fight. I mean, it kills the whole idea, did he quit, all that argument to a large degree. I know a lot of people say if you're going to talk that ish, back it up. Well, he's, you know, he had multiple breaks in the, in the bones around his face and needs reconstructive surgery. So uh, Canelo finished him. And if that was what was supposed to happen all along because of how great Canelo is, then it stuck to script. But would you also add in there, Luke, Saunders fought better in the end than you gave him any chance or right to. If this had gone 12 and Canelo didn't land that fight-ending punch, could it have been a, a, a fun little shootout down the stretch of X's and O's? Maybe. And also, win, lose, draw, go home. Canelo was a star on Saturday, and I'm going to give Eddie Hearn and them credit. They turned that dome into a like WrestleMania-type field mm. with the entrances and the bombastity. Um, it was a good night out at the fights, a good night for the sport. Yeah, okay, so maybe you predicted a knockout of Canelo still brought it to you. Doesn't mean I was wrong, Luke, okay? Yeah, I mean, I, this, this is weird because uh, I think a lot of the British fans, I don't see quite eye-to-eye eye eye with them on this one. Usually I do. Usually I find that they're actually pretty sensible about it. Uh, and again, I do think that they're sensible about it. I just don't see eye to eye with them here. I, I feel like, boy, people are really grading on a curve with this one. So I wanted to make sure, like, I wasn't out of my mind. Turn the turn the uh, the commentary off. I did not think. I, I first of all, I thought the commentary team was good. I thought Sergio Mora questioning some of the decision making on the stoppage, which we'll talk about in just a second, was a little bit off base for me. I thought Grisham was good. We like Grisham here. Um, I didn't understand the scoring of Chris Mannix's card at all. I really didn't know where he was coming from. 
So here's what I, this is what the fight looked like to me. To me, it looked like Billy Joe Saunders got cleanly outboxed for four rounds. Fifth and six, you could definitely tell, had a bit of a comeback, in, however you wanted to score him. Seventh round, he had some good moments, but I thought Canelo came on strong at the end. And in the eighth round, we all know the story basically there. That punch, by the way, that right kind of um, uppercut, essentially, that he was using when Billy Joe Saunders leaned off to his own left side, he landed that exact punch. I was like, I wonder if he landed it earlier. He did, BC. He landed at about the two-minute mark of the third round, caught him dead to rights on that one, too. So he had kind of been softening him up just a little bit before that. But to me, what it looked like was, listen, if you've got a guy as talented as Billy Joe Saunders, as decorated and as experienced a high-level veteran as that, you know, it's going to take something miraculous to get him out of there inside of three rounds. Like, something has to go terribly wrong. So in that sense, it's going to take some time. And even Canelo said they thought the fight was going to turn at the mid, slightly just past the midway point of it. Sure enough, it did. So I think that's probably fair if you wanted to say that. I don't think it was a blowout, BC. I don't think it's that. But I really do feel like people graded Billy Joe Saunders on a curve here. Well, I don't know how one. on... Let me, let me make one point. I don't know how on earth anybody can give him the first round. That one in particular to me was bizarre because I went back and I watched it. Dude, you need to go and pay... Not you, but the proverbial UBC. The no, proverbial no, why don't you just there. say me and say it to my face and give me a chance to defend it when you're done. Fine, right, if you so, wanted to, so I don't, I don't know if you're me. making, well, here's the thing, I don't know if you're making this mistake or not, but I see a lot of people being like, oh, Billy Joe Saunders numerically landed on Canelo more in, so, so in, in X frame or Y frame, and you go back and you watch it, look at how many times he rolls with it so that it touches him, but it doesn't have any impact. But meanwhile, in that first round, dude, Canelo was landing bombs on this guy to the body. It is inconceivable that Billy Joe Saunders would win the first round of that contest. No, so to not, me, it's, there's it's a framing not, though, of this that's just not. way out of whack. The reality of, of this is a couple things. I'm not going to support Mannix's card. I thought it was a little overblown, but at the very least, he was illuminating what was actually going on, a major shift of momentum in this fight. Now, that first round was boring major as balls. Neither, neither threw a lot. I think both, they combined to land nine punches in the round. So that's a that's a pick em round, Luke. That round was the perfect, it, no. the perfect crystallization of... What would have been a judging debate about this fight had it gone the distance? Did you like Saunders' activity better and his ring control, or did you like Canelo's harder shots? Same judging, uh, you know, storylines in the Trout fight, the Lara fight, because that's the styles of the fighters we're talking about. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know in any world why you would want to die on the hill of the first round, a crappy round in which I scored for Canelo, but had no problem scoring it for Saunders. Because, because it's not the numeracy, because BC, he controlled it's the, the damage, terms, and Luke. he clearly landed significantly okay, harder shots I, I, than anything Billy Joe I'm landed I'm blown away this is seriously I'm blown away this is the round that you're that you're doubling down on and that's fine but look in that round the only reason why it was a debate is because Canelo did not land enough I think Canelo landed four punches in the round so he didn't land enough overall in these subsequent rounds Canelo was the aggressor he landed more overall I mean he could, took over he was the aggressor so, in the first too so here's the deal Canelo won two, three, and four very easy, and, and let's give him a lot of credit. He took Saunders' jab completely away. I thought Saunders was going to have his best stuff early, not have to make an adjustment, and that's a credit to Canelo, who I think speed early was a problem for Saunders. I don't think he expected that out of him, and obviously when you mix in Canelo's great head movement from the waist up, all of that. But four, five, and I'm sorry, uh, four was another closest round. I gave it to Canelo, though. Five, six, and seven. 
all three were won by Billy Joe on my card. And I don't see mm -hmm. really, you know, I saw one judge only gave him one of those three. Two judges gave him two of those three. But to me, that was a okay. major momentum shift. He stepped up his output. He took the lead, got right in front of Canelo, was daring, throwing at tough angles. And the reason why he was able to win those rounds and have the success, not the looping punches like he was doing, but because he tightened up his defense, which allowed him to stand so close to Canelo, where Canelo couldn't really get off his jab. He had to try to pick in pot shot, but... Billy Joe was getting out of the way of those pot shots and covering up well. So five, six, and seven. Let's give Saunders the credit. That's the guy who we were so who, who I was really trying to make a case is has more of a dynamic level and, and a will to win than a Callum Smith or a Rocky Fielding or some of the other guys in this division who were deemed credible to fairly credible heading in, and Canelo just destroyed them, right? So I think Saunders did answer that question. Now, um, the will to win part, he had his face broken. So you can some fighters have fought through that, some haven't. You can make that decision for yourself. But let's also realize why Canelo is the best. The eighth round was a completely different story. I don't know if Canelo's resting a bit in five, six, and seven, is taking a screen, screenshot of what's happening. I'm not sure. But he mm. was a completely different fighter in round eight. He was aggressive. He hit hard. He stepped up. I mean, everything was great. And he got the knock. So Canelo's great, but you start, you know, angrily texting me, see, I told you, Billy Joe Saunders sucks. But it's, it's like, well, <laughs> I didn't, really, I've never said he sucked. That's not I've really I've never once said he okay? sucked. See, I he told you suck. that guy sucks. He doesn't like, suck, yeah. but dude, people want Canelo's rivalries outside of Triple G. And the Daniel Jacobs fight was close too, but outside of basically those two essential fighters, they want all these fights to be closer than they are. And... Billy Joe, you're talking about a major shift in momentum. Dude, major on what level? He could barely back Canelo up. That I agree that he could win rounds five and six. Yeah, he could win. Those, those rounds he won, I think, inarguably. Round seven, to me, is swing because I think Canelo did much better work, but he got outlanded numerically. It's a hard thing to call. Fine. You want to give him seven, you can. I didn't, but fine. But, like, this is not a major shift. He didn't really... The thing he was getting Canelo on in five and six, partly he was catching him out of position, but he was countering his counters. So there was a situation where Billy Joe, A, wasn't being there, and then when Canelo would commit, he was cracking him. So Canelo got a little bit more hesitant and had to wait for his time a little bit. Um, yes, you deserve... Uh, Billy Joe Saunders deserves to get the nod in those cases. But, I, I mean, again, you go through the first round. Like, do people think that Canelo just started punching hard in the eighth? This dude was punching hard from the first fucking oh, shot Canelo's he landed. Oh, body work... From rounds two through four, where where in a lot the of body ways, work it, was good in round one, man. I don't know what numbers you're looking at. The body work was solid in round one, super solid. That was the best work either of them but did. Just to, just to correct you again on the, uh, it, it was a massive swing of momentum. Not only on my scorecard not in which massive, Billy Joe had lost no. the first four, but then won the next three. Not only in that three window block did he out outland Canelo thirty one to eighteen overall. He also finally landed power Dude, shots. Dude, these shots the replay, are little flicking shots. Okay, They're not thirty one shots. You're kind of being an asshole. Look at the replay after round five and six. Both rounds showed a replay package in which he clocked Canelo fairly hard and clean to Canelo's yeah. credit. He's got a great chin. Not but 31 of them. pitter-patter anymore. He had changed the, the terms of the fight, started coming forward. It equaled wins on my scorecard. How is that not a massive shift of momentum? This was a championship fight, and they both fought dude, like champions in that regard. Dude, 31 of those shots. Show me all 31 of those shots, and I'll show you maybe less than 10 that have any quality. Yeah, a couple of them stung him. Dude, I'm not telling you he didn't win rounds 5, 6, and maybe 7. This is I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But, like, dude, if you're, if you're doing it in a way where you are calculatedly outboxing them, 
by a fairly thinnish margin where, yes, you're the, you're the rightful winner, but it wasn't like you were bombing on him. You didn't have him on the ropes. You didn't cut the ring off, at least not for very long. Again, you're fighting Canelo. I understand. He's the best fighter out there. Okay, I get it. Dude, he's the rightful winner of those. But, like, you were taking the fight from him or, like, you know, in some kind of way, like, meaningfully doing damage. None of that was in play. Part of the reason why Canelo is fresh enough in the eighth round is, he, again, he's Canelo in many ways. His power carries late. Dude, they didn't do anything to deter him in that way. Nothing. They never, ever took away any capacity of his um, to meaningfully have power carried late. And so, to me, it's like, listen, he fought an admirable fight. I give him credit for that. But this was like... I saw people like, oh, this was really close. This was not a really close fight. It just wasn't. Luke, um, it was four rounds to three entering the final dude, round on my scorecard. How is that not a close fight? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? Seriously. I like, And you're kind of saying, well, you know, he didn't land. He's not a power puncher, A. B, he started to walk Canelo down and stand right in front of him and land power punches. And C... How is, what round was he what's standing in front of him not Canelo, moving, landing To win more punches. rounds, Luke. So he's got to play the 10-point must system and try to only win the rounds, survive in advance. So I don't know what else you're looking from him. It, he's fighting the best fighter in the world, and he won three of seven rounds on my card. Like, what the else do you four, want this guy? First of all, there's no way in my mind at all, Billy Joe. I don't, I don't know what the case could be for Billy Joe winning round one. That to me is total delusion. So we're gonna have. Round one let's say it's four, didn't happen. Say, it's like Rocky Five. It, it's like it, both guys went out there, landed four and five punches apiece. Luke, how are you dying on this dude, hill? Dude, the quality. Of BC, round one. BC, God. BC, BC. My abuela could land four punches on you. I'm gonna guess that the four you land on her are gonna be of greater significance. Now that's an exaggerated example. Okay, BC, I scored I it for Canelo, you. but you're acting BC. like it was a dominant round. The round sucked. It was a pick 'em. It was Whoever not a dominant round. Like it more. was a but it wasn't a swing round. I mean I wasn't like, well, I, I just don't know. I was looking at who was doing better damage. Canelo pretty clearly, pretty clearly in round one. Uh, so I can't really understand what your actual argument and point of contention is. That that I think round, it's that, that, that I people think are that crazy people, to score round one for Saunders, or that this wasn't a competitive fight and never would be. So in the end, Luke gets to say, "I told you so." Because it's not even I about to I told you. you. It's, not, it's not about you. See, you're asking the question. I'll answer it. It's not I about save saying you I told, from yourself. That's my goal right now. All right, this isn't I, about I, this show anymore. All right, I gotta I, as, I gotta get as, you back. As over. generous as this offer is, and which I greatly appreciate, let me just say it's not about like saying that. And to the extent that the fight had carried on and we had had more of this potentially, more of this accumulated offense from Billy Joe Saunders where now we have 12 rounds to examine, we're trying to see. At that point when the math becomes um, that essential to understanding about, I might make more room for it. But to me, if you're having a difference in power punching from the first round to the eighth, to the extent that that ultimately in some ways, not by itself, but plays a major contribution in um, stopping the contest in between if someone got slightly better of the other one while I can grant under the rules that that is something that we should allow as 10-9, 10-9 and potentially another third 10-9 the point I'm trying to make was this was the Canelo show with Billy Joe having a couple of moments in between but the but the the the, the force of nature that was there was never really tested was never really pushed was never really challenged I think that's the point I'm trying to make all right. I, th I thought Canelo had to adjust to Billy Joe's adjustment and to give Canelo a ton of credit because he's a student of this game. Round eight looked a lot different than five, six, and seven. So he made that adjustment. Whether he was setting him up for that in the previous rounds and you're trying to argue it was more about Canelo setting that up than winning those rounds, fine. But uh, we saw what we saw, Luke. Saunders was never yeah. going to be a knockout threat. He was going to be a threat sure. to win six rounds against Canelo, though. 
And he looked on pace to maybe having a shot at doing that. So that's. The I only guess I'll just to wrap just to wrap up on this, BC. This is the only thing I'll say. I just didn't feel like we saw Canelo meaningfully challenged. I think that's the only point I'm trying to make. Now, again, if it had gone 12, I, I think the conversation would be different, depending on how it went, obviously. But so I'm sensing um, a spirit in you. Not not you know maybe not different than episode three uh, when when they could see that Anakin. You know, spend a little bit too much time with with that Sith Lord, right? Going in that direction. I'm not going that regard, but I'm sensing a a spirit in you that says this. Canelo's great. No one's trying to argue that, but I need him to fight the best opponent available and someone who has a chance at beating him every single time out, or I'm going to get bored soon. When in reality, there's a lot of issues with that stance. Is that? I don't think. What, I, don't think that's I don't think that's, that's my stance. Getting. I don't. I, not not quite. I mean. Maybe at 168, I'm a little bit bored, but but that that could change. I, I just don't feel, I never really was convinced, BC. I guess this is what I'm trying to say. I was never really convinced that Caleb Plant or Billy Joe Saunders were in any way bad fighters. Never, 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 never. And that they could at times give spirited performances. But even at that peak of spirited performances, the stars would have to align and all this other stuff would have to be in play for Canelo to truly be threatened. And so to me, because I saw Billy Joe Saunders execute excellent boxing in rounds five, six, and seven, that is to me impressive. But that but that idea of Canelo being meaningfully challenged, we never really got there. I think that's why I feel like I don't know, folks. I just and, didn't and, buy. To your point, he's a he's a bit. And to my point, he's a big puncher at sixty eight. Let's get. I mean, I can't believe he's carried his power up to that. Mm. But he's a knockout puncher at one sixty eight. So you're going to be more likely, Luke, on paper to find even people who have a shot to compete against him to not have a shot at you know bodying him and knocking him out and getting the physical better than him. You know, fifty percent of his op- opposition, their only chance is going to be to outpoint him. So you do have to understand that. I just want to sure. like almost shake you sometimes and say. You also realize that Canelo is a generational talent, right? Like he's not just oh, the dude, pound for pound best right now. Listen, like he's insanely good. Like this is what the story course. should be right now. Of course, of course. And I also want to say this, BC, and I think you and I, uh, let's start where we were actually agreed. I thought Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing did a great job promoting this. People were interested in this, and you know Billy Joe Saunders and Canelo promoted it too. I don't want to say that the fighters didn't play a role. Of course they did, did. But you know I really thought Matchroom Boxing and dude that night like the fight was good. I wasn't bored. It had a good finish, and Billy Joe Saunders' walkout and Canelo's walkout. I mean they may have taken forever, but you can't say you weren't entertained. That the fight didn't feel big. They packed that arena, and I don't know what the COVID protocol should be at this point. But I'm double vax, so fuck everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Like it just is what it is at this point. Every every man for himself, I guess. Uh, anyway, the point being is this: Deal whatever the it. rules be, whatever whatever the situation is, did they not kill it on Saturday night? I really thought Matchroom no, did a great it. job. They crushed it. Uh, this is the perfect promoter for Canelo Alvarez, and the model is there from what Eddie Hearn has done, backing Anthony Joshua in Great Britain and, and putting him in stadiums with ninety thousand people and all that, and having you know flamethrower come out and light up these giant letters AJ. He knows how to handle stars, and I think Eddie's uh, the like the best new school promoter of the moment. We talked about his comments in the past, saying the reason why Aram's kind of arguing with these guys is now, and and I'm having success with them is you gotta 
you know, you're their employee. I think he's doing it right, that balance. Canelo's been hurt before. Aram's the perfect, uh, I'm sorry, Hearn is the perfect rebound girlfriend who can be like, this is how boxing could be presented. We're doing it over in the UK. It's doing gangbusters. People are so dialed into the show, the event, the night, the everything. Um, I love seeing that spirit in, in Hearn's, you know, uh, rise in the US over the past few years, but they're coming together at the right time and making it feel monster. So, right. um, you know, it's also boxing. So you're not going to get a killer every fight, but let's also no, the close fight was by, good. by always you renewing this part. Canelo's got more than enough financial uh, leverage and all that to do whatever he wants, yet he's still trying to fight tough guys. Maybe Caleb Plant doesn't have a great shot uh, you know, next time if they do it in the fall, but I'd love to see him against Benavidez, better beef. Golovkin a third time, uh, you know, insert, right? Andre Ward coming back, insert, uh, whoever else you want there. I, I think he's going to continue to to challenge. He's just trying to finish this goal of the moment to get these four titles. No doubt about it. All right, so let's talk about that stoppage, BC. I will actually take Billy Joe Saunders' side. Now, help me out here. I want to make a point, but just for a point of clarification, was it the physician who stopped it, the corner, or Billy Joe quitting? What, what, what was the official mechanism? Officially, his trainer, whose name uh, is on the tip okay. of my tongue and I, and I can't find it at the moment, gave interviews afterwards in which he knew that Billy was effed up coming back to the corner. He tried to give Billy a chance you know, to see if he would come back. Billy didn't officially quit, but he also didn't really give a strong answer, so that was the trainer realizing that like, he's going to go back out there you know, unless I, unless I stop him. He's not he's not in this fight though if anymore with this type of pain and injury in one eye. So um, it was the trainer with, mixed with the doctor in the end. But obviously there's a communication there. If Billy had a, had a million percent wanted to keep fighting, he could have. And I and again I get you know with the trash talk, but the, this is a next level injury that you know look at the guys like Kell Brook, certain fighters who once they've had an injury like this, to some degree they're never the same. So uh, you know I've got no issue with it, Luke, at, whatsoever. Oh, no. you know I mean look. look I don't know. I I told you about it. I mentioned it on the on the post show. Like I knew there was a no mas possibility with Saunders. If he felt he was winning the fight, I feel like he would have been willing to go out on a shield, uh, cheat, do li- you know, fight boring, do literally whatever <laughs> it took to win. I also know that he's that one of those type of guys who will f- who has the potential to flick that no mas switch and just be like, I can no longer win this fight. So f you, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? And, and just sort of like that's it. So is that a quitter? You know, there's a spirit of that in that. It's also a guy who sort of, you know, looks at the risks and, and all that. But uh, this was not a quit situation. I hope he heals up. There's still big fights he can make in his career. 100%. Well, but this is a terrible injury to come back from. Like the entire, there's like different segments of the skull that meet around the eye socket. And I think there's four parts of them. He broke all four. I mean, that is a terrible, terrible injury. Now, this there was an old interview that came up that, um, Billy Joe Saunders had done against a boxer by the name uh, as Daniel Dubois against Joe Joyce, where Dubois essentially took a knee and, and it's famously Billy Joe Saunders attacked the guy for being a quitter. Yeah. And then here you have the situation. Let me just say this, though. This is why when fighters give interviews about how tough and bad they are, I never like disbelieve it. But I don't hang my hat on it either because sometimes they're telling you the truth and they mean it. And sometimes they're just saying shit that they absolutely do not mean or don't know that they don't mean. So he gets to the situation where it's a dude that that thing swelled up fucking instantly. Canelo hit him with a bomb. And to your point, the thing that his power carries up to 168. If that fight had continued, I mean, look at what Canelo did in eight rounds of a Billy Joe Saunders who was with two eyes, essentially. 
Imagine what he would do to one. I mean, however competitive you want to say, still, the guy landing the harder shots through eight rounds, pretty close to Canelo and only Canelo. Dude, four more rounds of that, you could go blind. I mean, you could have a serious long-term health problem for what? BC, if he was winning seven of those rounds or six of those rounds and he had that injury and he quit, I think we maybe, maybe the conversation would be slightly different. But if you're behind, you have a tra- – I'm going to call that a tra- – if they send you right to the hospital, you have a traumatic injury. He has a traumatic injury, one that has lifelong consequences potentially. His trainer did number one without question – the right thing. Why would yep. you ever send your fighter out there to get fucked up by Canelo? Whatever he's going to make, he's already made. It's already done. You fought well. You put up an admirable fight. You got your shit broken. Call it a fucking day. And I'm so glad that they did. I cannot believe this debate that people are having out here. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I get, you know, in light of the Dubois comments, well, you know, we get... You know, he got karma to a degree with that. But also, I think people can make jokes until they experience that type of injury and have those future life considerations uh, flash before their eyes. So, you know, that's that. Also, I always like to say it. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders is a professional troll. He doesn't care about ripping somebody and then being wrong on the other side, right? Like, this is who he is and what he does. Uh, Fun seeing Tyson Fury by his side, but they couldn't pull it off. Uh, Luke, finally, uh, on this quickly, is just uh, we saw Lawrence Cole. I think it was in the co-main event, the referee. Mm -hmm. Long time guy texas referee whose uh father dickie has been the longtime uh commission leader i'm not sure if he still is the head of the commission there in texas but uh lawrence cole has done that right a, a, a stoppage in a fight that made no sense when the other guy who's getting stopped just lands a big punch and is having his best moments of the fight that stoppage made no sense but if you're new to the lawrence cole experience that that's what you get they, you get what you pay for in texas and that's that's long been part of it so yeah The old uh, boxing's John Shorley. Uh, Okay. Let's go to point number two. Let's get to some MMA here if we can. All right. So in the main event on a card, by the way, BC, we haven't even talked about this. Fights were falling out the day of the fight. We didn't even get to see the Angela Hill fight. But in the main event, speaking of the same weight class, Michelle Waterson suffers a unanimous decision loss to Marina Rodriguez. And I got to tell you, see, this to me was a little bit, this was much closer than Saunders and Canelo. I don't, it's fine, whatever. I'll just say this, BC. I thought Karate Hottie made, you know, a strong account of herself, all things considered. But more or less, more or less, this was the Marina Rodriguez show. BC, are you convinced at this point she is a, Rodriguez, a title contender? I'm just blown away at you bringing Canelo back into this to try to like, just, you know, like, yeah. Sorry, I had to do it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. look, there's a bit. This was this played out. This fight, I think, being that it's a replacement fight, being that you did hear a little bit of people saying, "Is that a main event fight?" You know, I thought they did well to hold to to hold this card together the best they could, and there were still good fights I needed to see. And this fight ended in the perfect situation, Luke. I think for everybody. Rodriguez comes in second big win in a row after the one over Hibas, and yes, establishes herself, I think, as someone who now looks like a legitimate contender in this deep division. She's going to need a couple more fights, but she is putting herself in the perfect spot. The only loss had been to Carla Esparza, and it was a disputed split decision that could have gone either way. Yes, she's had a bunch of draws, but she's a lot better now than the fighter she was when she was having a lot of those draws, and that showed. Number two, 
the fight was a five-round main event, and the theater was fantastic. I caught it on a replay this morning, Luke, and it was way better than I expected to be. Back and forth, both women trying to, uh, you know, counter what the other one did and one-up them in, in spectacular ways, you know, for a fight that was fairly tactical, but it was sped up, it was fun, and I think number three, this is the type of loss for Waterson at this point in her career that I don't think does a ton of damage, and she still very much redeems herself. Her toughness, her ability to rally back in a fight, the fact that she almost had a case at like a split decision loss slash draw where you would have been like, you know what? I had it for Rodriguez, but Watterson really came after it. I think she gets elevated from it, so I, I don't see a negative in how this all played out. I mean, great fight. No negative. And again, I want to be clear. I thought this. I think you're right about what it says about Watterson. It says that that upper echelon is probably not within reach. But it also says against upper echelon fighters, she's going to be a tougher out than many might realize. She, the, the score is 249-46s, which is how I had it, and then 148-47. So the, the draw or three rounds to Michelle Waterson is a little hard to see. But what is not hard to see is that in even those rounds where Rodriguez won, you know, Waterson's durability, it, I don't know why we don't talk about it. I think it's pretty impressive. She went five with Ioana and now five with Marina. Um, five hard rounds in each case. Uh, she had good moments where she landed, you know, great uh, strikes, particularly at range with her kicks uh, um, throughout the course of the fight. She had good cardio, so she can still beat good fighters. Maybe not the best in that division, but she can still beat some good ones. But I guess that leads to my second question here, BC. We'll circle back to Marina in just a second because I have a question about her too. But for Waterson, like we kind of been waiting for the big Michelle Waterson moment. Is the big Michelle Waterson moment at some point in her career still coming? Have you lost faith no. yet? No, I have. I, she's not going to get the big moment. Can she get a, a a celebratory victory late in her career in a fun fight that is just like the perfect way to put the bow on it? Yes, she's not going to win a title. I don't think she's going to put multiple wins together, but this was the perfect kind of loss, like I mentioned, against a streaking fighter. She's still a reliable person to sub in. She's in the Rich Franklin zone of her career, and that's great, though, by the way, okay? She can sub in and be a big name uh, B-side and any type of thing, so that's great. Uh, I also think I, I gave her the last two round so i think she made really a, a billy joe saunders like uh championship adjustment here luke to really bring the canelo fight back into this for absolutely no reason her face broken to too right in um, your, your dirty prick eye there but uh i will say on. that I, hold uh, on question for you yeah rodriguez rodriguez excuse me i saw some folks online say it's the fight to make let's see if you agree my favorite fighter joanna champion versus marina rodriguez okay i think that's the only a reason i would fight. like that fight is if it was, I would have to look at the rankings to see if this would make sense. But I don't feel like Joanna wants to do anything unless there's a title fight involved or a path to the title fight, right? Joanna is at that point in her career where she's probably only going to fight once a year, but it's going to be in a big fight. But if this was looked at as UFC saying that's two big wins in a row for Marina, maybe if we give her Joanna and she beats her, then she's like right there for the title. That would be interesting because Luke, as much as you asked me if the Rodriguez win shows me that she's a contender, I say yes, because I look at her as a tough out against anybody. She has a style. She showed good cardio. She's got like certain, you know, the high kickboxing style there that they compared to Joanna uh, on the broadcast. But I don't see a mean streak enough yet to see her finishing a super elite name or or dominantly beating them. So maybe Ioana would be the perfect fight in that regard, where if she's going to beat even this version of Ioana at this age, she's going to have to dial up her game even more than she just showed against Watterson. Yeah, the problem with her game is that when it's on her terms, yeah, she's quite good. Like, for example, in the clinch, 
oh my god she was a, a just a, a demon in that space but like if you're only defending takedowns if when you're on your back you're only worried about getting up or something like that there are just certain spots in the fight where you can only fight defensively. It's going to limit what you can do offensively. I mean, it's just sort of quite obvious, uh, frankly. You have to be able to have offense in all of these different conditions. Like someone like a prime Tony Ferguson. Granted, he's a bit unusual. But what he always had was, in his prime, he had offense in every single position, every single scenario. Rodriguez doesn't really have that right now, so it kind of limits her. But um, she's sitting, by the way, right now. This is before the new rankings, BC. She's sitting at six, Rodriguez. Ooh. So at I gotta tell you, uh, the only ones ahead of her, Mackenzie Dern, who's also coming off of a win. That's not a bad fight. Carla Esparza sitting at four. Yan Xiaonan at three. Yoana at two, and then Zhang Wiley at one. We gotta watch out for for Xiaonan. Is that how I say it? She's she's really good. I don't know how to say it. She's really good. This she's I super love this good. division. I always yeah. gonna love this division. Okay. Yeah, I know. All right, let's get back to it. We didn't get a chance to do it on uh, Friday night, but so we can get to some of it here. Let's talk Bellator 258. Point number three here in the rundown. A lot, a lot to get to. I know it's disrespectful because it was the main event between Pettis and everything else. We'll come back to it in just a second because we just got to talk about the biggest fight in terms of fan appeal, which was the co-main event, BC. All right. Anthony Rumble Johnson gets back to his winning ways four years later. This time he returns to Bellator. I should say he makes his debut in Bellator, but returns to MMA. Has real trouble in what was a very exciting fight. Jose Augusto, basically, if you didn't see it, here's what happens. He looks like he breaks his hand, his power hand, and then still finds a way to survive and then rock Anthony Rumble Johnson to the point where he nearly gets stopped, but he finds a way to hang on. They come out in round two. Obviously, Augusto is compromised, and uh, then he got sent to the land of winding ghosts with a one-two right down the middle from Anthony Rumble Johnson. BC, is Rumble back? Yes, with an asterisk. And that asterisk is, uh, it, here's the here's the asterisk. Let me explain it. This was actually like, a, this was an awesome fight. The theater involved in this. You know a fight's good when the guy who won, can, and I know there's some scariness mixed with this, but can't remember in the post-fight interview that he was actually hurt and dropped. And he's like, you know, you know, I didn't really feel it though. And then he's watching it for the first time in front of him, which happened to Johnson. So you know that's a wild fight. This fight played out the way we thought Romero Ro Rumble was going to play out. So all that rightful... Uh, you know, lamenting we had of this fight not happening, even though we hear from Bellator officials if Romero comes back, uh, you know, soon like we expect where he'll make his debut, they still want to make Rumble Romero, which is great. But with this was sort of the shitball crazy fight that we hoped that one would have been. So in that regard, there's certainly some things negatively to say about Rumble from gas tank to getting lit up from a guy that's not known as a puncher. But, you know, he fielded that damage well. And then he put the one-two together and showed us who Rumble actually is. So no, he's not going to enter the Vadim Nemkov fight as your like overwhelming bell, you know, betting favorite. Where where maybe there was a chance he could have if he knocked this guy out and splattered him in 15 seconds. But I think we got to see the full package here. It was an entertaining one. And it also shows you that there's as many minuses and questions that still need to be answered about Rumble at 37 coming back from four years off. But he's always going to be one punch away from beating everyone and anyone, including the champion next. So it's not really a negative, Luke. It, it just kind of stirs up the entertainment value. It made him look human. And then once he stopped being human, he started being Rumble again. And he, you know, punched through a guy. Um, fun night at the fights, right? This is best case scenario again. Yeah. 
This was far and away, I would say, the best Bellator show since they went to Showtime. Granted, it's only been one, like, what, three or four? But still, this was the best one. This was the best quarterfinal fight of the Grand Prix by far. No doubt about it. Easily the best of the three. Just in terms of, like, f- fun and, you know, crazy ending. and me- Just in terms of being memorable. If I asked you, like, what's your favorite fight from the Nemkov and Davis rematch? You know, I'm not sure you could tell me. Easy to tell you what it is in this one. Quite memorable in that way, right? So that part is great. Uh, honestly, I saw the post-fight press conference. BC. I'm not sure if you watched it because Rumble talked. He's like, oh, I didn't really have ring rust. I felt fine. Listen, I know he said he didn't have ring rust. To me, when I watched this, it's quite obviously he had ring rust, which is to say, if you want to point out negative things about his uh, fighting style and some choices that he made, I think that's okay. Folks, this is what tune-ups are for. This is why when, in boxing is why they do them. Because it's hard to be off for four years and come back and be everything you're supposed to be. If the idea is he'd be better if he had another fight quickly, you know, soon after this one, again, whatever whatever the uh, medical constraints may be, he'd be better the second time because he'd have reps. That's the whole idea behind this. Yeah, he had most things in play, but his range was a little bit, he got a little too cocky in certain spots. You know, he's a little bit too overly aggressive certain times. I think he can tighten those things up. So to me, BC, I look at this and I say, okay, all right, there's some things to work on here. He's been off for a while, but they weren't, they got bad, but they weren't catastrophic. He still won. The power is still there. He had no problems making weight. So I think it's fair to say that Nemkov, who's going to face in the semis for the Bellator light heavyweight title, is the deserving favorite. To me, he seems more complete of the two. And I think he's almost 10 years of the junior of Anthony Rumble Johnson. But Rumble Johnson, still very much a force of nature. I think he's going to have a lot of the stuff tightened up in the second one. And I'm absolutely looking forward to the, the semifinals here. Yeah, this is this is this again. This is an everyone win situation because obviously had Rumble been stopped there, you know that's a tough one to bounce back from for sure. And instead, now I want to see Jose Augusto like every single time, Luke. I you know I don't expect him to fight this wild and crazy given the stakes of this one, but he's a fun fighter now that we got introduced to. Rumble moves on, and we still get to build toward Rumble Romero, whether that's an eventual eventual title fight for all we know, or whether that's uh, both coming off a lot. I and mean, we have no idea. I think Bellator put the bandaid on quickly though and rebounded nicely. And then to your point, up and down this card, man. It's entertaining as shit. Like they got the formula right on this one. You know, shout yeah, out this to the one, folks over there. Yeah, hundred percent. This one worked, no doubt about it. All right, so let's talk about that main event. Sergio Pettis defeating uh the great Juan Archuleta to become the new Bellator Bantamweight champion. BC, first of all, you have to acknowledge it. Bantamweight is just one of those weight classes now that's going to be good in a lot of different organizations. You're going to have a lot of places that have solid Bantamweight talent because it's just just talent rich. The scores on this, BC, 50-45, 49-46. I had it 49-46. No denying he was the guy who deserved to win, as you can see. His counterpunching there, just tremendous. BC, your takeaway from what I think is Sergio Pettis' best performance ever. Yeah, the maturity... (coughs) The mat- I mean, he grew up. This was the graduation. And I liked, you know, I wrote the same narrative atop my recap. I'm sure everybody tweeted the same thing. You know, you fully come out of your brother's shadow, the great Anthony Pettis. And that's certainly true. It, this was everything that uh, all the years of showing promise from Sergio Pettis, 
he put it together because he had the experience to, 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 to tie a ribbon around it and really do it. I mean, the patience, the poise, all these sort of words that are separate from what you're actually doing in there that are just describing what you're doing. He fought like a seasoned, mature champion, and that's who he needed to be. You know, I'll give credit to, uh, I think it was Josh Thompson in that, in that uh, you know, pod versus pod video we did that, you know, lit up the interwebs, by the way. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of hijinks on that one, Luke. A lot of drama. But, uh, you know, let's give Josh credit. He said, you know, Sergio, and you, you had said earlier in the week, he's going to have to toe a line in this fight to pull it off. He's going to have to be aggressive when it's time to be aggressive, be patient when it's time to be patient, and I think he did that dance perfectly, Luke, and what it showed was he was the more skilled fighter. Uh, I liked his speed in certain moments. He had the better experience. He was just more seasoned. Ar- Archuleta w- got got the most out of him that he could in winning that vacant title, and by the way, it's not like he's going anywhere, right? He lost a, a close title fight, but you can see why Pettis, uh, at plus money coming in, what was a, was a sneaky good bet to go after because he was the better skilled fighter and I think for the first time in his career he had the right balance of emotions and pace and everything that you need. Um, it just felt good happening Luke. Like I imagine them going in to that storage locker underground somewhere outside of Milwaukee and pulling all the old orange cereal boxes out to make room now for Pettis' world title. Sergio, <laughs> okay? I don't know if they're going to quite do that but you know we, we've talked about it a million times BC. 27 years old same age as Marvin Vittori. You know, think about that for a second. Like, we just have these weird expectations for guys. It takes time to get good. Yes, I know. We love the amazing stories of guys like John Jones, who at age 21 are just blowing the doors off of everybody. But that's just not going to be the normal. And that's not going to be normal, not merely for most fighters, even for people who are championship caliber fighters. You're looking at living proof. This guy was not the same four years ago. He wasn't nearly as good as he is today. Now look at him. At 27 years old, he has just come so far. His accuracy, BC, was on point. Dude, Juan Archuleta could not fool this guy. He had a couple of moments, for sure. He was in it. But, you know, going, uh, he would go side to side, and he would try to make a blitz. And every time... Sergio Pettis read it. Maybe he would throw a punch and miss because he couldn't get it all right every time, but he just was never confused, I should say, about what Juan Archuleta was trying to do. So it was smarts, it was execution, it was experience. He still has good durability. He hasn't taken a ton of abuse, BC. Man, I love this performance. And I also got to say, for Juan Archuleta, okay, you know, there's some things to work on, but I don't think that the hill to get back on top is necessarily insurmountable. I like that little thing you did that you were like... Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, Archuleta, you know, he fought the best of his abilities there, and Pettis's counter right hand was beautiful. His his takedown uh, adaptability, you know, defending some of them, getting right back up after being taken down the other times, that was such a key story to the fight. So great performance from Pettis, and I like the feature. You see that feature ran earlier in the night by Showtime uh, of Archuleta's like family history. Luke, I had no idea his dad was you know went to jail for for uh, drug trade. Uh, Archuleta himself had done time. Um, it was a wild backstory, and it, and you can really see you know how much he's grown to be the fighter and man he is but hey it's Pettis's time Luke and now I don't know why he was talking a lot about his teammate Rafian Stotts in the post interview who had a who had a nice victory on the undercard shouldn't we be talking about him and Magomed Magomedov unless we're are we mm. slow playing that because that's the damn fight to make at this division yeah that one is good Stotts I think though I will say I think the reason they got asked about it you're right in the sense that it's early to ask about it maybe but if he stays champion, that fight's coming. And it's, there's no, if he loses it, then whatever. But 
you know, they're on a collision course at the current trajectory. So I can understand that, but I do think you're right. Mega Man, Mega Man is the one. That, I mean, he could, I don't know. he could, we could be in for 25 minutes of ragdoll meta in a movie. I mean, that that's coming with that man. You know what I'm talking could be. about here? Certainly could be. Uh, last but not least on this card, which I by the way, was a tremendous win for him. Uh, MVP, boy, I got to tell you, uh, you know, you can say what you want about the quality of his opposition, but the dude just keeps delivering viral moments. He not only defeats Derek Anderson, who, by the way, I was thinking about this, BC. Why was he running in the gym with me after making weight? That was kind of weird, right? I mean, I don't think that's why he won or lost, but that was weird. But whatever the case, MVP hits him with a kick straight to his nose that literally rearranges his face that picture and the shot kind of goes mini viral bc i gotta tell you this guy just has a knack for doing memorable things yeah that's what i was trying to tell josh thompson he's really damn good and i love him and appreciate him we just uh, you know can he live on a diet of just doing this he'll need more than that at the super elite level where he was once before against douglas lima in a fight that he had moments got knocked out can't wait to see him get to that one again which i think he will i think that's the way things are going to play out but let's not put Derek anderson in, in those other categories i mean he was a rising contender in this division and he just could not handle the unpredictable the speed, the angles. MVP did MVP things, and it was a lot of fun. And I think he's deserving now five in a row to be back in a position where he can call for Douglas Lima. And it wasn't just, you know, it was that beautiful right hand there. It wasn't just the kick to the face. It was some flying knees. Again, it was MVP being MVP. This is the upper bound limits of him, maybe, Luke. Uh, he's going to have to be, or, or does he? This is the debate here. Can he do this all the way to winning a title? I still think he needs to have a much different game plan to mix better. I think a guy on this card, and you're going to laugh at me for saying this, but you th I think I'm right. Could I gonna, grant You're not going to fill Logan Storley again, right? I am. Could I grant MVP a title shot based off of his resume in this win here? No, I really could not. Sorry. If I look at what Yaroslav Amoslav, Yaroslav Amosov had to do, he had a much tougher road, um, significantly. Logan Storley was supposed to fight Omar Hussein on that card. He didn't clear medicals. Hussein didn't the day of the fight. I don't know what happened, but he didn't clear. And so as a consequence, Logan had no dance partner. If you're going to give MVP a title shot, it better be after he beats Logan Storley, not before. Otherwise, oh, we're... Oh, dude, I, no. I mean, look, yes. I love me some Logan Storley, but he's coming off a loss. He didn't have a fight. To Amosov. I get that, but I mean... Look, MVP's won five in a row. Like, and he's Again, got name name his five wins. the 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 point is not that. Yeah, exactly, this, exactly. This name three. Name three. Name three. The point, Luke, is that uh, he's also a celebrity fighter. He's also a marketable fighter. So it's more likely he's going to get pushed in quicker. I mean, he's won five in a row, Luke, after having moments against Lima. It's not like, he, I mean, I, I get, look, I, I'm the one who's also in there pushing that same narrative as you, that I, I don't see consistent rises in competition, and I don't see consistent, uh, you know, rounding out the game. I see a guy who can do special things and wants to keep doing special things and rely only on that. And look, sometimes it's going to be special. And sometimes it's not. So, um, but five in a row is still five in a row, Luke. I don't think it's like there's one person above him who is coming off of a streak of wins who deserves it more. So you're like, they should fight each other. 
I mean, it's not like the Bellator welterweight top 10 is like, you know, where you got to wait in line for two years. I mean, he's won five. What else do you want from him? I want him to beat a quality ranked opponent, which Anderson not was. Anderson was a quality ranked opponent. Okay. Okay. BC, if the promotion wants to fast track him for the reasons you stated, then that's what the promotion's going to do. I don't know. Their call. You're asking me what qualifies to get back in front of Douglas Lima. You need to beat somebody very good. He hasn't done that. Sorry. Not since, not since, not since losing to Lima. Um, and I need to see that. Okay. That's we'll all I'm saying. Luke, but we'll but I will say on Friday night, he looked unbelievable. It was amazing to watch. All right. Uh, we go to a thriller here because, well, they're in a weird situation. A story came out over the weekend that we were kind of weirded out by. And then another one came up and we were like, okay, that's even weirder still. Two stories. One. Oscar De La Hoya tells, tells Mike Coppinger of The Athletic that the deal that he has with Golden Boy and DAZN runs out at the end of this year, which means he'd be a free agent. And he is thinking about taking his entire stable, which would include Ryan Garcia, Virgil Ortiz Jr., uh, Jaime Munguia, to Triller. Yes, Golden Boy signing with Triller. However, BC, and I didn't see any reports of this, but so maybe you can fill me, out, fill me in. I'll pitch the question to you and you can answer the whole thing. I believe you told me that Roy Jones Jr. was did a podcast where he was saying he wasn't even fully paid yet for his fight with Mike Tyson. So, A, what did you hear from Roy? And B, if that's true what you heard, why would Oscar be saying this about Triller? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's a plus and a minus in there that we're trying to put together and figure it out. Um, I, Roy said in the interview with Chris Mannix on his podcast that he's still owed a, quote, substanti- substantial amount and has only been paid in a small partial for that fight with Mike Tyson. That's eye-opening, I would think, mixed with Mike Tyson after a lot of rumors not ending up fighting for Triller this time around and then putting out that statement saying he'll never work with Triller again. He does Tyson's Legends League. I mean... Tyson not fighting Holyfield after all those rumors seems to be another clear sign that something's wrong here. Um, But also the news with Oscar De La Hoya is a dip back in that other direction that we talked about when they moved the Teofimo date. Should they be in actual boxing? Can they do this or can they only do the, the, the circus fun fights with skits and, and all that? Um, it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work, Luke. I just it just doesn't sound like uh, is it going to be pay per view only on Triller? I mean, is that you know is there, like what is this going to be? Are Golden Boy fighters only going to be featured in you know pay per view main card fights mixed in with old guys and celebrities? Like I don't think that's the best way to promote your brand. But also you know uh, in the in the post Canelo world for Golden Boy, you also have to try to get the biggest deal you can. I mean, is Oscar coming back right now in his forties and supposedly fighting on Triller this year? Is that for his ego, or does he need that money too? You know, you never know. It's all an interesting thing. But I think, uh, you know, there's no way to know which direction this is going, Luke, without just standing by and watching it. But I don't think that's where fighters would want to be. You could argue and say, well, if you're Ryan Garcia and you're already connected social media-wise to all, you know, and built your own following of, you know, 8 million Instagram followers, whatever, well, you can team up with Triller and all their celebrities and, and just, you know, go that. Okay, maybe for a Ryan Garcia. But does it make sense for any other fighter to, to only be fighting, uh, uh, you know, on the undercard of, like, circus fights? I mean, if they keep doing big pay-per-view numbers, maybe, but it, it's, a, it's a different lane, Luke. I think we can tease that lane once in a while, and, but I, I don't know if you want to go down it full-time let me ask you a question tell me if you think my theory holds any water at all i feel like because if you read mike coppinger's report they say that the relationship between DAZN 
and Oscar not only ends in 2021 contractually, that in the meantime, it's gotten pretty icy because while they've been able to retain, you know, access to Canelo Alvarez through Matchroom, they lost it all through Golden Boy. And more importantly, that the language in Canelo's contract didn't match what the promoter's language was that they had submitted to the zone. And so they were pretty fucking pissed at Oscar about that, which, by the way, you could understand. That's why they apparently couldn't make the third Triple G fight in a more expeditious manner. So you could see that there's some bridges burned there. I wonder, BC, if that's really the case, how much of this is Oscar being like, he knows that the zone's not going to re-up. They don't need him. They've got Eddie. They could go somewhere else. Who, who knows? Um, that, you know, losing Ryan Garcia would suck. Mungia would suck, but they would find a way around it. And that Triller is, Oscar's only bringing it up as leverage because, A, he doesn't really want to go there, and B, he's got to find a way to get back on the zone's good side. That's a very fair point to put to sort of go out ahead and put out a report that you know that tries to sway people. That's a that's a, we've seen that move before a few times, Luke. Have we? <laughs> Have we? But I, the only thing I will say about this, we can move on. But the only thing I'll say about this is, dude, it's like epically bad judgment on Oscar's part, unless he really needs to to put the heat on zone. I don't even know how it would work. BC, you were, you were raising these issues earlier, like. First of all, how many fighters does Golden Boy have in total? I don't know. They've only got a few stars, but I don't know how many they have in total. How do you keep all those guys busy? What happens if Triller goes tits up? Are they going to have any home? Like it just well, I think there's fear a- in Golden Boy's long-term future, you know? I mean, like they do have some very functional foundational fighters right now in Garcia and Ortiz. Yes. But I mean, did you see all that shit uh, you know Canelo was saying in those sit-down interviews we had we had talked about last week about, you know, Oscar doesn't do a single thing for them. And I know it's just one person talking shit, but again, Canelo doesn't talk shit until 2 weeks ago, right? right? I mean, this fight week Canelo and Saunders was maybe a little bit more fun than normal cuz Canelo was a little bit more fun than normal. He's kind of being his real self for the first time but i tend to believe the things he says about golden boy and losing canelo was i mean in court records he was like 110 percent of their business per year uh mm. when, when the, whatever that legal battle was where the court records came out i mean they relied on him so um it could be a desperation move it could be a lot of different things but uh Wow. Wow, Luke. This is a weird, what a weird ass time. And some of it is the, you know, the pandemic shutting down boxing and, and now boxing still trying to get off the ground. Although I think 73,000 for Canelo Saunders and breaking an indoor attendance record mask or not, Luke, that, that, you know, that was pretty healthy. That showed some good things about where we're going with the sport. But, um, I mean, w- will we still be caring about Triller boxing pay-per-views a year from now, Luke? Will, will the Jake Paul things have run its course, or will those still be going strong? I don't even know if we're going to have this conversation, you know, nine months from now. Even I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet yes, but I'm going to bet it's in its death throes. Like it's, it's so on it, the way. So up. it's it's Jake versus uh, Logan at that point, Luke. That's yeah. where we are. It's some kind of like end game where you're like, oh fuck, they're doing <laughs> that. Oh, dude, Triller is going to be at the point now where like, all right, this fight's over. We had a musical act last uh, before the last fight. Before this fight, we're just gonna have a straight up orgy out here. <laughs> just, <laughs> you could have you could have strippers film orgy. as the punchline that would have worked, but you want to go orgy? All right, Luke. All right. We're just you know why not? Just fu- fucking and fighting. They go hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I look forward to that day. Maybe I'll buy that thriller pay per view. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's interesting. A lot of interesting. All right. Stuff. Uh, okay. Last but not least, BC UFC 262. It's coming up this Saturday. It's big. And I built, or excuse me, and at UFC 262, two title fights on the line. Michael uh, Chandler will fight 
the Oliveira, Alovera for the lightweight title. Excuse me, one fight, the, the other one fell off. But in the co-main, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush, and also Jack Hermanson versus Emin Shabazian, Caitlin Chukagian versus Viviana Orujao, and then Shane Burgos in your uh, in your opener against Edson Barboza. BC, give me don't your forget, number don't one. Don't forget KGB versus Antonina. Okay, don't forget uh, yes. that shit. All right? I, sh- I shan't. Uh, BC, give me your top storyline ahead of the big pay-per-view in Texas. That, uh, you know, uh, there's a chance that a, a star will be made in this main event. But should there be, Luke? And should I be harping on this? Should I still be clinging to this, that this is a title fight between two guys I really like in Dobronx Oliveira and Michael Chandler that I just don't feel like should be a title fight? Why are we going forward with this? Uh, you know, like, Dustin Poirier should be fighting for this title, even if he chose to chase the money instead. Uh, you know, the the, the Connor-Dustin uh, two-fight probably should have been for an interim belt with Poirier then, then bumped up to full champion. If that had been the case and you had to run the Con- the Connor trilogy now just for money purposes, I think we I think I would have somehow swallowed that bullet better, Luke. Then then the fact that I still can't get over that I don't think the winner here is the real champion, and I think the winner here would lose to 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 Pori Poirier in a fight, and maybe that's where, where, where hmm. we'll see. I don't know, but. I just feel like as much as I love this fight and I love the fighters, I can't get past that, Luke, okay? You know what I'm saying? Some grandmothers are never going to give their blessing to their granddaughter because, you know, she was she was living in the same house with the guy before the wedding, right? She just, she just can't get over that fact. I'm sorry. She might like the guy. She can't get over that fact, Luke. They're living in sin. Sounds like grandma's a prude. Um, <laughs> well, I'm being a prude about this bell, ain't I? I mean, but, I, but I'm being honest with you. It's interesting. I, I, I really, I don't know that I would disagree with you. I think that's a fair way to uh, assess it, but I have a bit slightly different view of it, which is to say, I do think Poirier should be a part of any title discussion at this point around 155 pounds. But if he's not, and we have what we have, you know, you have two unlikely stories here. In Charles Oliveira, again, a guy who got into the UFC very young when you didn't, he wasn't nearly as good as he is today. And you kind of get an impression about him as like, you know, he'll give good fighters a nice run, but he won't beat them. And then all of a sudden he just starts beating them 10 years later. Um, there's something of a, you know, maybe we, we shouldn't have had a, a version of him in mind because he was always evolving, but you, it's very natural to do that. Like, who is this person? How do I understand them? What is their place in the pecking order? That's a natural thing to want to sort um, inside the human mind. And so he became, I think, something of an unlikely story that came on late. And Michael Chandler, you know, a guy who had Bellator gold but had that taken from him and had to get it back and then lost it and had to get that back again. And at 34 years old, coming over to the UFC, you know, a lot of these guys who come from other organizations after Pride, they didn't do all that well, at least not right at first. Yes, Eddie Alvarez won a title, but he had to lose to Cowboy first, and he you know, obviously didn't hold on to the title for very long. So Michael Chandler has, you know, we didn't know if he was ever going to be in this place and if he was going to beat Dan Hooker, and he did. And here he finds himself. I mean, I'm not declaring it to you to be like, if he wins the title, the best acquisition since pride i think that'd be a little strong but certainly you could think of how many times guys came over from other organizations that had you know top ranked premier talent and they just kind of fizzled or they struggled or you know justin gaethje did well but then he struggled right um michael chandler would be one of the more outstanding starts to an acquisition in a long time for that organization oh, be, so either I mean, way maybe you get that's something fun. the real story the potential of what i mean this will be quicker 
to a title and winning it than, you know, Brock Lesnar and so many other uh, guys who came in with a certain amount of fanfare, while it, whether, it be a, whether it be a free agent or whatever. I mean, it'd be massive. I, mean, I don't know. It's just weird because the last two or three years, we've spent time constantly talking about how this lightweight division is the best in UFC in terms of depth, and it's historically great. And, you know, some of those matchups we either didn't get after much buildup like Tony and Habib or, or you know, finally got, you know, and it, maybe it didn't woo, woo us or whatever. But now, like, out of nowhere, Habib's gone. Connor's coming off of a defeat. Gaethje's coming off a defeat. Tony might be washed. And now Poirier's choosing money, so these two guys are going to fight for the title. It just, I, I feel like we're... we're where, you know, okay, it gives somebody a chance to potentially be a transitional champion. Or maybe they're going to woo me over and win four or five in a row. Who knows? I just, it's just weird. It's feeling weird, but that's what happens when you get, to be honest, when you're getting really good shit all the time, and we are from the UFC right now. They are on point. Let's give them the credit and never forget to say that. You actually start to, to, to nitpick like this. You know what I mean? This is a great mm. freaking fight. I can't wait to see it. But never take, never lose sight of that. But, you know. My feels are what they are, Luke. I can't ignore them. You can't. You can't bottle them. You can't bury them down. I mean, they'll come. Uh, they'll where come are you me. on Ferguson and Dariush? What's your What's your read on that? It's good matchmaking. It really is, and mm. and it'll be wild. I just I got a bad feeling for Ferguson here. Yeah, this is the storyline. Here is okay. Did Ferguson stumble against you know um, guys who were either won titles or title contenders, and now Dariush, who has to this point been something of a step down in that sense. Obviously, he's very, very good. Please don't misunderstand me. Uh, you know, uh, and if he loses this one, it's sort of like Woodley losing to Vicente Luque. Maybe that's the case, or maybe Ferguson can right the ship. I, I don't really know, but he has his back up against the wall. And Edmund Shabazian back against Jack Hermanson that's trying a, to right the that, ship for his career as well. That's a really interesting fight, Luke. That you know, when you see the the hot prospect like a Shabazian lose so you know definitively it's always a story when they come back especially when there's the potential of like did that damage his psyche because because of how it was you know you always need to see that so he's got a lot of explaining to do and that's a tough opponent luke tough as balls certainly is uh that will be on saturday okay that is it for you guys asking us questions it's uh or excuse me us asking each other questions now it's time for you guys to ask us questions it's time for DMs from Donks. I need them sent to me, by the way, if possible. Yeehaw. Please. Oh. All right. Uh, we always put up a post on Sunday where we solicit your questions for Monday's show. You can follow us on Instagram at Morning Combat. I'm assuming that's being sent to me here pretty quickly. Or you can just put it on the screen. I can read it either way. Doesn't really matter. Um, but put the first one up. if you. Know. There we go. From Talal underscore double A seven six seven, worst name ever. How would Jake Paul do against Canelo? <laughs> uh, not well, not well. Uh, KO one. Yeah. I mean, could he? Could here's a serious question. Could he last a minute? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the the peak of it. To be to be really honest, I mean, you know, if he if he gets a if Canelo gets inside and lands one of those uppercuts, and the, seriously, I mean, that fight that fight's over. I mean, it's not he's not a professional fighter. So I don't think he could last a minute. Yeah, I don't think he could last a minute. Hey, you see he this, could. Luke? There's some reports out there in Logan's one of these TikTok videos from Logan seemed to confirm it. That's that Jake Paul might end up being banned from the Floyd Logan fight from the stadium. I wouldn't doubt it. I bet Floyd doesn't fuck around with that kind of stuff. Is that is that Floyd or the Florida Commission? Because either or, that's either. a major misstep, Luke. Yeah, it's a misstep. Well, it could be either. Uh, who knows? Um, 
I mean, is it though? But they because they got they got what they needed out of him. Is it a major misstep? That's a fair point. He also works for the for the competitor, by the way, this trailer thing. Um, but no, look, I think he got he got pretty fucked up, and we didn't realize that in real time the other day while showing that video. That whether it was Floyd or Floyd's handlers, he got like he he caught the uh, the the two piece with the uh, with the, with the, the side of uh, with the soda and the the side of grits, Luke. I mean, he 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 got he got effed up there. Uh, all right, let's go to the next one, please. This is fun. From Greg Leach, Big Meach 99. Should Chandler capture the UFC lightweight title this Saturday? How much of a testament would it be to the skill level of Pitbull and the overall quality of Bellator's drastically improved roster, BC? It's a great question. And, and is that question, you know, scaled across Bellator on a whole or is just Pitbull and Chandler also, you know, pretty special fighters of this era? Uh, you know, both could be true in this regard. But yeah, it would say a lot because Chandler, you know, was, was essentially one-punched by Pitbull and look at the success he's having now. But also Chandler lives and dies by that same kind of style, though. He's, you know, like Eddie Alvarez, why they made great fights together. You know, they can lose the big one just as much as win the big one and, and they're going to go for it either way. So uh, yeah, the, the answer in the end is yes, Luke. Also, we didn't mention it, but Patricky losing to Peter Queeley on Friday. I thought that I was actually good for the rivalry. You know what I mean? Like I was actually, I wasn't happy to see it per se because it kind of blows up their title picture plans for 155. But I don't know. There was something about like this is this, they'll run this back. It, may, it makes for better storyline down the road, kind of. A I thing. agree with that. Yeah. All right, from Cam Newton underscore something. Your personal thoughts on the crossover show with weighing in? Was that the first time interacting in one setting? Well, BC, you're the one who had more of the issue with Josh than I did. I so didn't, no, you tell it, me. In the end, I didn't have an issue with him. I thought, uh, you know, he brought an energy, and it made fireworks on the air, and it was wild, and it was fun, though. I think we, I think we put together. Look, I, I don't know how much traffic that did comparative to our morning combat stuff, but I thought it was one of the better shows we put out there because it was alive. So that was very good. Um, I had never actually met Josh before that. Uh, had interviewed Big John a bunch of times, and it always went well. And John was great on there. And you know, I mean, look, uh, Josh was combative. Combative. I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff he said. Or necessarily his methods, but you know, we we ran into him later when we went out to grab dinner, and we ran into him again, and then ran into him again. Uh, you know, uh, everything's great in terms of us respecting that podcast and all that. Uh, I would like a rematch, though, knowing now, Luke, that uh, that you know that's a man that that makes you bring your A game, and so sometimes in, in in settings like this, you get you get a chance to spar with that. You're like, I w- I want that energy. In fact, I want to take that energy and take your fans. All right. Yeah, I have. Take your fans. I don't take know your about listeners. All, that. all right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm less focused on that. But what I will say is, I thought it was great. I love the different kinds of energies that are out there. I will say though that, like, if you're MMA media and you do panel with anyone else who's not MMA, I mean, I guess they are MMA media now, but they historically certainly were not. Your role kind of just like. You know, I was actually. You know what? I won't say Big John did this. Josh did a little bit of this, and he and I talked about it later, so it's fine. But you know, or you're, if you're media, you're kind of expected to play the asshole Jamoke. You yeah. know the I, I, and I the, do that keyboard warrior, right? Like I out yeah, myself yeah. as that always because I just want to show you I get my place in this, but that doesn't mean what I say is all bullshit, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, but otherwise, I would say I love that podcast that they do. I think they're a great tandem. 
Um, and well, I, I would happily do it again. Same for you, right? You do it again? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm not, you know, I'm believe me, I'm not. I don't. I, I'm not here uh, lamenting. Uh, you know, angry at Josh. Uh, part. You know, part of the part of that was fun. It was good, good times and great oldies. So, uh, you know, let's do it again. Yeah. Also, everyone's. Okay. I mean, listen. He he was a little bit, you know, pushing buttons, but. We know that we can handle ourselves. We're you know we're old well, and washed. Well, you know, I learned Luke that that I learned that I can handle myself because in that setting, apparently, I had to handle it. <laughs> what all do you by want myself, me to so, do? You know, Throw you a fucking you know, life preserver? I'm just yeah. You know, let's just let the truth be. So let, let's smear that truth like a handful of shit out of a psych ward on the side of the wall. Okay, Luke. You know that I, that I left at Mohegan Sun, just blowing yes, up those commodes. Yes, yes. Okay. You know it was one versus three, but you know one one did. Fuck stand you! It, I was one, not against you. You are such a baby about this. You know, if you well, Luke is is just sitting back and watching. Is that consent at the end of the day, Luke? Okay. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, all right, from Carmine Alvaro, thirty-two. What is a more heartbreaking story for MMA fans? Diego's time with Fabia, or BJ Penn's decline? Jesus, what a good oh, but God. awful question! Wow, <laughs> can you look at this rash I got here and tell me which one, which part is worse? The the you know the the the, the tip or the car- undercarriage there? Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad, Luke. Um, I'm, you know, we're gonna get into uh, Fabio a little bit more in odds and ends to end it, but uh, I do think. Well, I want to say I think the Fabia thing is looking sadder overall, but it's just it's a new kind of sad. Is there anything really sadder overall than a a fighter hanging on too long and getting beaten those fights and then having fights in bar in strip club parking lots? I mean, that's that's pretty sad too. Luke, they're both really sad. All right, I'm just, can we just I will right say there? this. I will say this about the Sanchez and Fabia thing. After I interviewed them on my radio show, however long ago that was at this point, um, I remember that they sent me a bunch of DMs because I forget who's. I think I think my radio. I think my producer booked the interview for me, so they didn't have my personal information. So after the interview, obviously they come off not Diego so much, but Joshua Fabia comes off terrible, right? So him and Diego sent me a bunch of DMs, but I never accepted them because they were just super combative, you know? So like, I didn't really, I didn't go back and forth with them. I was listening to like Ariel and some other folks who interviewed them. They all did it through text, which is common. I've, I've booked a million interviews through text messages. It's very, very common. But now they have your text information. He was saying that after their interviews, whenever that was, that Fabio was just fucking typing out 30, 40, 50 texts back to back threatening him all kinds of crazy shit i never had to deal with any of that uh mercifully so um i think the the pen one is worse dude because it's not over you know what i mean like he didn't get help that i'm aware of and he's still out there looking for triller fights um yeah he did who does he who did he tweet at or whatever he's actually jake paul Jake Paul, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be kidding me, dude. It's I mean, unfortunately, terrible. he does fit like the perfect. <laughs> he is like the perfect type of opponent that Jake Paul right. should be fighting next. Dude, under if Jake old- Paul knocks out BJ Penn, MMA will have to stop existing. Do you understand yeah. that? Or step in and like you know just take the guy like, out. Guys, can you please stop signing up to get knocked the fuck out, please? Yeah. I know you want a big check. But it's making us look bad. Um, all right. Last but not least, we stay on topic here to a degree. Actually, oh, I'll, you know what? Let me take a crack at this one, BC. From Neil underscore totally. How much crazier do you think this Sanchez Fabia thing is going to get? BC, here's my read on this. Ready? I don't know which way it's going to end or when. 
but it's going to end poorly. Well, let's Guaranteed. just talk about this right here, right? Why, why break this up? Can uh, Manich, can we, you or Gaff, can we just play the video that got everybody, you know, the video has leaked of this, of this Josh Fabia training method, the school of self-awareness or whatever the hell that thing is. Uh, yeah. uh, Manich, you just say, you just give me the go. Okay. You just, you just speak it in my ear. After many, oh, go. Okay. Go. Yeah. Manich, yeah, there you go. Manich fresh off an inoculation vacation, so shout out to him. Um, Luke, this was this was just one of the videos in which Diego Sanchez is upside down, and he's covering his face, and he's just getting lit up with strikes. And we know that there's other videos with you know them being chased around with knives because Fabia thinks it it, it brings out a, a reaction that's like deep inside of us gen- from generations ago to being in wars and. This ain't healthy, Luke, okay? And um, the interviews that Fabia is doing with Sanchez with whoever is willing to talk to them, uh, they're not healthy either with you know them making accusations against UFC employees prominently about what they've done to women in the past. You know, with in there's a like we're getting into some saucy, dangerous territory here, and and, and I think I would side with the UFC in thinking from what we've seen in those other videos, it does look like Fabia's angle was probably, you know, gonna be some kind of lawsuit for Diego. Um, I think the UFC just needs to be like and they will, but be done with Sanchez and Fabia forever. Just watch, just we're done. And don't. And I think the MMA world, to a certain degree, should too. And I know that's really harsh because that's basically all of us saying Sanchez, a guy we love, who we can tell isn't right, and is and is rolling with a guy who's not right. What do we just want this guy to go away? I, I just think the more like we just got to get this guy away from the sport. And 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 I hope there's somebody that can step in. I love that Rashad had Evans, uh, who you know in the past had jumped on Instagram and been like, you know, Diego, we love you. Wake up, man. Like, see what's really going on here. But you know, the conspiracies and all that. I, this we're in a really bad spot, Luke. So comparing it to the BJ Penn ending, which is not over either, um, they're both really sad. And I just feel like a really bad turn is coming in the Sanchez Fabia thing. And I don't, I don't want that to happen, Luke. I don't know how to fix it. And it's it's really making me upset. I mean, that video makes me really upset to watch it. It's it's bizarre, and people are like trying to make this out to be like, like the story here is some homosexual relationship. First of all, I don't even know if there's a homosexual relationship. I tend to not care if there is, and if there is, it's probably none of our business. Although you know, there's a way where someone who is manipulating someone else could use that as a way to also manipulate them. But in general, I think that people are bringing it up because they just have no way of uh, you know. Uh, understanding this relationship without making some kind of comments about sexuality. Um, But to me, like whatever the case is with that is. Hey, have you ever used cheapo air for years? And I really like it with cheapo air. You can book online, use their app or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Of all the problems that they might have, (laughs) that they might be fucking is like the least of them, uh, quite candidly. Uh, no, it's not it even be. a topic anymore. It may have been like a haha thing in the beginning because yeah, exactly. There's well, that people weird keep bringing it up. I, I see them. And- I see people being like, "Oh, that's what's happening." I'm like, "No, no, no." If, if that's happening, that's not really the story. 
Right. First of all, I don't think it's happening. Number one, and if it does, who cares? But that Third, had a season when that weird picture came out of them shirtless, and then the OnlyFans account launched. The non. How many fighters post pictures with their bros shirtless? Right. I mean, come on, dude. That's a. That's. I mean, that's the standard, really. I'm just saying that 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 sort of storyline already had its minute. And is that's not even a factor to your point? Like, who cares? Yeah, like, that's yeah. not even like, like I, I don't know what to do here. These are two people who are not sound mentally that are really doing some crazy things. Look, do you even understand from what you've seen, like what their argument is? You know, the UFC is this evil organization. What are they even arguing? I I don't understand it. They they're kind of all over the place. Partly they're are uh, partly they're arguing that the UFC callously treated their health. Which you know, depending on the specific nature of the claim, on a on a you know on a principle level, I'd be willing to entertain them at least to hear them out. But I don't know that they make very convincing claims. Not that they couldn't, but they just don't. Uh, and then part of it, then then see that's the one part where you're like, okay, that's sort of rooted in reality. Like I'm sure Diego has taken a fucking metric ton of abuse by virtue of fighting, right? So there maybe is something to that, right, right? But the other part is then they're like, oh well, they send out assassins and these bots are paid for, and there's this you know coordinated campaign, dude. I've well, dealt then with family. Did you see the comments from Leslie Smith, the the, the you know Bellator fighter, former UFC fighter? Yeah, but who, she also clarified she wasn't she actually them, being serious. Yeah, she walked them back afterwards. So. Um, yeah, well, dude, that's... saying that like like the UFC left a dead hooker in the room next door to mess with someone, you know, I mean, <laughs> you can't just like throw that out there. Like, you got to have real fucking evidence for. I mean, that's a bold fucking claim you're making, yeah. you know. So I, I, I don't even want to get into that, but I'll just say this: here's what I'm worried about. You know, not less about what they do behind closed doors, and more about. What's going to happen to Diego's money? Does Diego have money? Is he going to have a path to make money? Like, BJ comes from money. His family is wealthy, which is why he is somewhat unusual in the way that he lived. Um, that Diego doesn't come from money. You know what I mean? So, like, that's where I have my attention focused. Yeah. Uh, and if, if somehow this leads to, you know, better attention to fighters being taken care of, you know, directly based on the things that they're arguing or indirectly because we're watching how bad of a state he seems to be in now, then that's the only plus I think that can come with this. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's All right, BC. Right. You know, we could turn the tide here and we can have a happy segment. It's time for your shit. All right, this is what I did this weekend. I scoured the globe for the highs and lows, the good and bad, and the ugly, and all the in-between in combat sports and beyond. We call it. Have you seen this shit? All right, Luke, we start UFC Vegas. Marina Rodriguez gets the coach slap treatment to hire to fire her up before the main event against Michelle Watterson. Luke, I would I think I need this before the show each day. Maybe you can perform this. I would love to slap the fuck out of you before every show. Don't tempt me. Although coach, that's 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 borderline second base right there coach, all right? Maybe take a step back, okay? Nah, he's got big hands. <laughs> I know you're the one, yeah. All right, uh, let's keep it going. Welterweight Carlston Harris in the first fight of the night, Luke, wins via Anaconda choke when he put Christian Aguilera uh, back in that genie bottle and put him to sleep. How good was this, Luke? You love this This is shit. very, very, very clean setup. He had the whole thing locked before he even went to the bicep grip. Uh, he tried to get on top of the other arm, didn't need it. I mean, that is just, yeah, eyes open. 
That's a super that, – that is a position he knows really well. He did a great job. Yes, let's see that guy again. All right, Canelo Saunders on to zone in Arlington, Texas. That undercard, Colmain I talked about. Katsunari Takayama came back from retirement at 37, Luke. He was in this fight against slugger and champion Elwin Soto. He was rallying. He was taking shots. And Lawrence Cole effed it up and jumped in. But did you see this guy shadow boxing for the cameras? He was a real showman, Luke. Bro, the, the, I, the, I would be tired after doing this. Yeah, he I love that that was the way this. he protested the stoppage. Like, I, look, I, I'm still here. I still got this. Um, Luke, he was that fight was going to end badly for him. I just had a feeling, but he had a lot of balls out there. I love guys with balls. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I, lo- I love your balls. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Luke, we mentioned the, uh, the entrances. Uh, let's check out Billy Joe Saunders here. It, I was starting to get Prince Nassim vibes for the length yeah. of it, Luke. But this was Bro, awesome. his entrance. His entrance wasn't as good as Canelo's because Canelo had the whole song and dance thing. Literally, people doing song and dance. But when they had the alarm going for him, and then he comes up, and you can see more of him, dude. They killed it with this. They did a great. They just made it. Tell me if you agree, BC. They made it feel big. Yes, they did. They did. And and. And, you know, unbeaten champion and unification bout against Canelo was fairly big. But I think you got to give Billy Joe credit for all the the fight week shit he did. And then this type of presentation. And he was, for folks who didn't see, he was getting booed by 70,000 people and just bathing in it. Yes. Yeah, he was loving it. Uh, In the crowd were many celebrities from Errol Spence to others. But Jamel Herring on his phone sitting next to Tyson Fury, they saw a brawl break out right in front of them, Luke. This is the new thing again. (laughs) Dude, what? if you don't if you go to a boxing match and people don't fist fight in the audience, <laughs> did you even go? Uh did you see Tyson Fury had that that uh drug dealer shirt on which was fantastic, but he also had that black eye in the interview and Mannix didn't even ask him about it. Do you think Fury told them? I'm not talking about this shit. Yeah, it's probably sparring, you know. Okay. Okay. Uh this was after the Canelo victory. Check out this embrace picked up by the 18K cameras over there at the zone between Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. and Canelo. I don't know what it was about this interaction, but it I lit up on the inside. It was like father and son of Mexican boxing lineage here, Luke. This was great. I mean, that's the go- that's the Mexican goat with the Mexican goat in waiting, right? Is that fair? I think it is. I really think it is. I think the discussion soon is going to, if not already, really, is when does he pass Chavez in the eyes of the Mexican hardcore fan? You're not in the eyes of us, per se, I guess, but like in the Mexican family, right? In Mexican boxing, where it's the backbone of the sport, have they already accepted Canelo as one? Is he? Does he need to take on some big challenge? I mean, because Chavez cast such a large shadow it's ridiculous i mean he's like a folk hero because of his style and where he came from and all that you know uh to mexican boxing fans so but you can't deny what canelo's i mean it's ridiculous what he's accomplishing now so yeah it's nuts and also i'll say this like whenever i've traveled in latin america they may or may not know an uh, a latin mma star you know they all know canelo they all talk about him endlessly like yes he's a mexican star no doubt about it obviously but he's a latin american star too man well he picked up a good time to start speaking english publicly again luke i yeah. you saw this the post-fight press conference let's throw to the sound when demetrius andrade the unbeaten wbo middleweight champion interrupted him tarver on roy jones style let's check this out you 
I fuck you. All right, we're good, buddy. BC, I fuck you. <laughs> hey, hey, man, get, hey, man, get the fuck out of here. While he, while he really had one line, he kept using it in various tones, from happy to funny to like serious. No, I'm really, really, I'm gonna fuck you up. And I, dude, finally, we're getting that out of Canelo. Luke, he, there's still a, a window here where he like becomes a matinee idol in the states, right? I mean, he's got that yeah, potential. Dude. He he's tired of the piss ants. You know what I mean? Like he ain't got time for it at all. I've done interviews with him where uh, you know we did the whole like. Um, Han Solo Chewbacca thing where I talk to him in English and then he answers me in Spanish and yes. my Spanish is good enough where I can understand him and his English is good enough where he can understand me and we actually never speak the same language. I've done that before. It's fun. Uh, poor Demetrius Andrade who showed up to that fight, Luke, wearing a shirt saying Billy Joe Saunders and Canelo are ducking me and won't ever fight me because yeah. I'm scared. He's promoted by Eddie Hearn yet Eddie Hearn was even like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Like, seriously, it's not your time. I respect what he did though because I think that... It's a that, little it's a little Shannon Briggs, isn't it? it oh, definitely. It's, it's Like I said, it's Tarver ahead of the Roy Jones fights to get him to finally agree. Um... But it's also desperate, so it's both at the same time, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty desperate. And Canelo, I don't know why, but Canelo's like, I'm never fighting that guy. Never. That guy sucks. So, again, Luke, I could talk myself into that style matchup just like I could Billy Joe Saunders. I'm sorry. Demetri Andrew's <laughs> you love, got the... You love, you love guys who could maybe sort of kind of, if you squint, get it done. That's your yeah, favorite guy. All right, one more sound from DAZN Weekend. Here's Jerry Jones, owner of Jerry World, where the, where the fight went on. Look at his mouth breather. Fans that can't be there can enjoy the fights live on DA Zone. I can't wait to be there in person at AT&T State. <laughs> Luke, um, do you think Jerry Jones, honestly, even though he agreed with, you know, Eddie Hearn to do this fight on, on DA Zone, has ever freaking heard of this network before? Let me just say something. I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys. The fans, especially the ones who live in my hometown of Washington, D.C., are absolute vermin who deserve to be mailed like normal to Abu Dhabi for the rest of their lives. Jay Aaron is a Cowboys fan, just so you know. Shocker. That, shocker that, that, you know who his favorite teams are? Duke, the Yankees, the Lakers, yeah. and then fucking Dallas. Those are that's, his favorite fucking teams. That's a guy just, just screaming for a friend. Just, just, just front-running central. I can't stand Jerry's world, but hold on a second. Can we defend him for a second? DAZN is the worst fucking name ever for anything. I believe it's I could have another zone. child. I could have another child, BC, and name my child Shitstack, and that would be a better name than DAZN. So the fact that he didn't get it right is frankly understandable. He's too rich to get that shit right. All right. All right. Bellator 258. Check out this sound here of Bantamweight Johnny Campbell after submitting Henry Corrales. 
135. James Ooh, Gallagher, where is he? James Gallagher, I will mess that man up. I will send him back to Ireland in a body bag. Bring him on. Love to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, Boy, outstanding I mean, win wow. for Mr. Johnny Cupcakes. <laughs> wow, BC. How about Johnny Big Campbell? John McCarthy loves to hear anti-Irish. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That was, that was a pretty awesome call out, Luke. I'm going to follow this guy now, Johnny Campbell. All right, you into that? Uh, he actually fought really well. He had some moments where Corrales was landing on him, but that's one of those wins that like no one noticed over the weekend. That's a huge upset for a guy like him. And so, um, yeah, actually, I actually am curious to see what else he can do. All right. Uh, you know what else was a feel-good moment here? After Sergio Pettis' win in the main event, this tweet put out by Big Bro, Showtime Anthony Pettis. Uh, Luke, this this is like Canelo hugging Chavez Sr. I just got the I, – I, I caught the feels here. It was like the passing of the Pettis torch. Yeah, man, they've got – those two dudes have WEC, UFC, and now Bellator titles. That is quite a pair. They are very, very, very talented. It was good to see Anthony there in his corner supporting them. But it wasn't my favorite pick of the week, Luke. This one was. Um, could I love this photo anymore? It just it just makes me really happy, Luke. Okay, I'm sorry. It does. It does. All right. War Rose. What, what, tell me tell me tell me what you like about this photo. Uh the joy in her face, the the you know, the the awkwardness of wearing the title on like jeans, but with the with the picture of herself which is almost like looks like she's a background singer on like a madonna video or something from the from the late 80s um i don't know it's just so not her that her doing it with the shit-eating grin it's just it's great it's great she's like the the pic the, the one on the t-shirt is like the ones who's the guy who did it like the gonna have to face it you're addicted to love <laughs> yeah uh robert palmer right yeah where he was total sexist 80s she does look like that in the t-shirt Yes, yes, she does. Um, loved it. Thank you. Let's keep it going here. Time for some drunk fun. Here's your drunk save of the week. It's good to have friends, Luke, in high places when you're when you're flipping out on a bridge, you know? <laughs> Just let her go, dude. Just I let mean, her that go. was almost disastrous right there. Good thing that guy bent down at that exact moment. Yikes. All just right. Let, just let nature take its course. Uh, this drunken uh, pinata action here has a predictable ending, Luke. Oh, God. Yikes. Bah. Wow. That looks like a, a hell of a party they had going on there, Luke. That she is... got brained with that. What was this? A fucking blind guy's can? Oh, it was a pool cue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bro, she got brained by a pool cue? That that must have fucking hurt, yeah, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty. Uh, there's a lot that of pinata's WT looking clean. On. They are white people, Luke. All right. Let's keep it rolling here. Since JF did up last week and really showed no remorse. Here are from at Jonah Eat World on Instagram the MMA the Factory Town MMA mock-ups, Luke, that we were talking about last week. Check these four out in succession. Uh, you know, I know that uh, that Web Scream's working on them, but I think I got to put these these uh, these into print right now. Okay, the, I'm gonna put these good. on T-shirts. I mean, I you know, this is uh, this is good shit right here. For for there it is. That's the one right there, Luke. Okay, that the says all you need to just, know. Just billowing fucking poison into the atmosphere. That's all you need to know. We're gonna get this gym up and rolling, and uh, you're gonna we're we're gonna make a dent. We're gonna make a big dent, Luke, in this uh, right. in this space. All right. Uh, let's go over to the WWFC. I have no idea what that stands for, but check out this submission, Luke, from Horobets Cabrilli. I believe they call this the banana split. Or Crelo, sorry, Crelo Horabets. Single, 
mount, back. Uh, he could do a uh, twister here. Oil change. If he wants to, he has to get a banana split. He's going to go for a banana split. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, it's just, a, it's just a crotch ripper. It's a banana split, yeah. That's got to be the most painful, right? Um, I've only been put in it one time, and it was bad, but not the worst I've ever been in. No. I mean, you got to walk around like you got a, like a fourth testicle for like a week after that, right? It depends how much they tear. Wow. All right. Speaking of genitalia, here's some weird moments in recent genitalia history. What do you think about this penis mailbox, Luke? Man, someone put a lot of effort into getting the <laughs> shaft and head right and gave them the worst two balls I've ever seen. <laughs> Maybe that's symbolic of the relationship between these two, Luke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a total cuck. Uh, Luke, I don't know. She's if you like, saw this is the this is the mailbox where I take suitors, and this dude has to watch me bang. Luke, your old boss from uh, Sirius, Mar uh, Marissa, shout out to her, put out some old travel pics on the uh, social media. This is when she was in Amsterdam a few years ago, Luke. Inside of a vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Progressive women love to do stuff like this. It's not my favorite. All right. Speaking of genitalia, check out this uh, Major League Baseball play of the week, Luke. <laughs> You're out. Wait, bro. I missed it. That's Mookie you Betts. What happened? Oh, he got banged right. Oh, to the he bag. got tagged in the, oh. in the in the. Oh, you're out. All right. It was like an uppercut to the bag, Luke. Yeah, you're oh. done. You. And I don't know if we have the footage. Uh, he's like grimacing in pain. It might not Dude, look like. Now, much, now but... when I was when I played Little League BC, which of course is a very uh, you know comparable thing, we had to wear cups. Do they wear cups in Major League Baseball? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Do they? What do you think they just get to the majors and free ball it? I mean, you yes. see how fast those pitches are? Come on. I think they do, yes. Okay. I, think, I think some do. All right. Uh, let's go on to this, Luke. They call this man Ukrainian Tyson. I think this is like some low-level regional boxing. Watch the footwork on this uppercut. Oh, that is pure Tyson because he'll switch stance when he goes to the hit this. Watch. See that? Boom. Oh, yeah. Stance switch. Oh, that is just perfect. I mean, I'm sure wow. the opponent's legs were stuck in cement there to be able to pull that off but you know i like some regional shit luke you know that uh luke it, a windy day would really be the worst day to be just dropping a sweaty deuce here in this porta john did you see what happened in this video i mean nothing i mean that, that's Dude, gonna ruin this is what i this is what i did to the toilets at mohegan sun this is this is me farting and then leaving the bathroom and all the commodes just get sent into the air. Wizard of Oz, uh, black and white. That's what I'm imagining right here. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. All right. Hey, Luke, this man right here, like you, very excited about being vaccinated. <laughs> you know what? I can't even hate on this message. You see these dudes who are like, Hey, go to a bar and get a shot of, you know, tequila and then a COVID shot. You know what I mean? They're doing a shot for a shot. Yeah, yeah. Those things tend to work. They actually are like very, very, they are very valuable as a way to get vaccination out to the community. think they're offering that special in massage parlors too, Luke? You know what? They should. Shot for shot. They should. Uh, vaccinated and ready to fuck. God bless this man. Yeah, well, all right. All right, Luke. Uh Remember that time I run the video here? This guy jumped off the roof and never walked again. Here it is. Look. Dude, we watch a lot of people jump off roofs. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
He, this oh. motherfucker did this. He, uh, look at my stilts. Oh, oh shit! Oh my god! He like he folded himself up into the carry-on. That's Bro, the, the, what the fuck was in his boots? Lead? Like <laughs> <laughs> two hamstrings gone. Hold on! Don't don't wow. move off this one. Yeah, I want to keep going with this asshole. Hey, work on your brake falls, fuckface! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like the UK. Definitely the UK right there. Oh, Jesus. This is our post-fight show. Blanc. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go on to the next one, Luke. Look at this couple. They've had the time of their lives, Luke. Oh, we saw this. I never saw this. Now, usually this. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, oh, wow. And you demolished the TV? Is that a man underneath? Yeah. Where? Well... There was at some point. I don't know what happened to him after this. You know, normally I blame this on Whitey, but I guess I can't do that today. Uh, Equal Luke, opportunity but, fails. So people are willing to put anything on social media, Luke, including our final one here of this of this week's shit. <laughs> Big Kevin. Oh, hey, you know Kevin? I only got a facial, Luke. I do now. Yeah. All right. Big no, no, wait, wait, hold on. But there's no cream on the mustache. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know why, Luke. I don't. I don't really want to know. In fact, can you get this off the screen? Thank you. That's the shit. BC, have you ever had a facial? No. No. Would I have you want had one. A... <laughs> I didn't say I was offering. <laughs> Who's offering? You or Big Kev? I mean, really, you know, that'll decide it. Uh, no, that's it, Luke. That's all I got. That's the shit for the week. Okay. Uh, anything for odds and ends? What do you have? Well, I had the uh, the Fabia thing, Luke. Um, but you know, I don't have that. So why don't I just share? Have, why don't we play? You know, vinyl record of the week, Luke. Um, this has changed my life, Luke. This is called "Bright Size Life" by the great jazz guitarist Pat Metheny with uh, Jaco Pistorius, the legend, the Jimi Hendrix of bass on uh, on bass, in fact. Luke, this is, uh, finally found this record. It's got blood and coffee stains on it. I was like, I was like when an old used record has a story, you know, has a soul, like it, it lived, you know what I mean? Somebody bled on this shit. Uh, this will change your life. This is among the greatest uh, fusion records ever made. And uh, I just wanted all you people out there who have style and grace uh, and class and understand art to make sure you were listening to this so yeah, you'll be appreciated this I, I, my odds and ends got taken up too so it's fine but um i was gonna tell you bc yesterday i was trying to get my daughter to like something different so i started showing her i think i showed her um the rem song that's great it starts with an earthquake um it's the end of the world we know it yeah but then i just but let I the algorithm fun. run and we got into some other rem that was kind of old there's some good stuff that rem has man my I'm daughter didn't care for, for any I'm of it, but it's good. I'm not going to sit and vouch for R.E.M., no. You, your daughter can lose her religion all, all she wants, Luke, okay? You don't like R.E.M.? I mean, I, I don't disrespect the talent and songwriting there. Um, I, there. I'm not saying there's not a song that I haven't rocked out to, you know, What's Your Frequency, Kenneth. I mean, there's some, you know, they got some, you know, but no, I'm not. Uh, it's not my cup of tea, Luke, okay? Bitch. <laughs> you're, you're this. Look at this tough guy making a case for REM. That's great. That's great. Like That's REM. another great hill to die on. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. They're real shitty. Those guys. Uh, all right. I prefer art, Luke. Okay. Just... Yeah. Well, you prefer some kind of art, anyway. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for us today. Let me remind anyone: if you want to try Showtime, why wouldn't you? You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial, and you're ready to take that plunge. You can go to Show.com/slash/BellatorMMA. Four ninety nine a month for the next six months if you sign up using that URL. Uh, you want to email us for Wednesday and for Friday, morningcombat at gmail 
com is the place to get that in. Plus, we are all over the socials. Morning Combat's name is consistent everywhere, but if you notice, BC and I will have slightly different names uh, for our Twitter and Instagram accounts. By the way, we forgot to plug this, BC. I don't even know where merch is anymore, but they're a place where you can get some merch, store.show.com. You ever received um, an adequate response after you challenged the merch guy on the air? I didn't hear one thing from him. Did you? No. I don't, I don't think it's happening, bro. He did tweet at you about Jake Paul, though. I was, I was waiting for your response. I, pro- um, I probably Luke- blocked him. I don't, I don't know his name. <laughs> blocked him. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, Luke, we also filmed uh, two-thirds of a documentary the other, the other week in Bellator. So we got we to gotta put some, uh, some loose ends and wrap that shit up. Yep. But uh, yep, yep, yep. that was an interesting, interesting time. Yeah. Well, it was nice seeing you. I'll say that, BC. It was good we to see you. We did a room service diaries. What happened to it, Luke? Basically, here's what we did. A, a bunch of it has to get edited out <laughs> uh, because and not, and not it's got nothing to do with what happened on scene in Mohegan, only about something BC said that we just cannot talk about, and he knows we can't talk about it, and he fucking talked about it anyway. So we have to clean that up, and uh, then we'll put it out, yeah. but it's fine. Nothing, nothing to do with MMA or or Japan. So. No, I wish it was, but in fact, you made it much grosser and much worse. And so, f you. Well, it wouldn't guy. be a room service diaries, Luke, if you didn't edit out all your potential landmines and leave mine in. So you know, it's, yeah. listen, BC. I've said this to you. If you want to shoot it and then edit it, you can have dealer's choice about what goes we in. We don't airbrush these nude photos, Hugh. Okay, not on this show. <laughs> all right. You put nude photos in there. Uh, I don't want to see them, but you know, everything's got its place. All right, that's it for us. Uh, let's see. Lots of 262 coverage coming your way. Um, so stay tuned. Like the video, hit subscribe. For Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports, Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains. Oh, wait, you have, well, you have a thing? Well, now that you got into the intro, now I'm like stopping you before the you know, the moment, which is weird, right? Yes, um, it is weird. I was just going to say, Showtime Championship Boxing is back with a bang this Saturday. Right. So just wanted to remind the folks to uh, to turn that on from uh, Carson, California. I will be there. It is a 122-pound uh, title bout, Luis Neri against Brandon Figueroa. Luke, this bout could, this fight could be special. Like, this could be really good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it could be. Um, so that means, by, well, you can catch BC. Is the fight on Friday or Saturday? Sorry. Saturday and- night. Saturday night. Um, so be on the lookout if you're watching Showtime on Saturday. You'll see Brian Campbell out there. That should be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, good stuff. Okay. So for BC, I'm Luke Thomas and Showtime Championship Boxing. Until Wednesday, may all of your gains be loyal.
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.